Come on, come on. He's risen, he's risen, he's risen. It's good news, amen. Man, you guys look good today. Man, I throw on a, I throw on a white collar for y'all. It's about as dressed up as going to get around here for me, you know. I've been having to do a little bit of that lately. I, you know, I don't prefer dressing up. I prefer looking good, but not always with, uh, you know, this stuff going on. But, hey, just want to take a moment and just welcome you on behalf of uh, Melissa, my wife, myself, our whole team, our staff here. Um, if you're visiting with us, just welcome. Let's make some noise for any visitors that are here. We're so happy that you're here. Thanks for being a part of what's going on um, here at Generation One. Um, we're just, uh, we're on our journey of really uh, building families that are going to overcome as we host the presence and really bring sustainable transformation in society around us. We like using these words, revival and reformation. We had the training that we're talking about coming up. These things talk about a personal experience that then changes the way that I live that, that would uh, allow me to go change the world around me. We call that revival, personal revival and societal reformation or societal transformation. And how many know that grace doesn't just free you from your past, it empowers you towards your future, amen? I said it doesn't just free you from your past, it empowers you in your future. And, uh, and so we're just a church that's on fire for Jesus. We're a family that's come together. We're a radical tribe. Um, I, I always say we're the biggest little church you've ever seen in your life. And uh, we're, we're not necessarily infantry. I like to think of us as special forces. Special forces, Gen 1. And so, so Generation 1 is a Malachi, uh, you know, 4-6, you know, uh, name for us, you know, about the spirit of Elijah coming in the last days and connecting the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Um, and so we just really believe that there's something powerful about what God's going to do to change the world around us as he reestablishes family. How many know that there's an attack on the establishment of fathers and households, amen? And, uh, and I would say, you know, Many of, of, of our challenges in the world can easily get you to the point to say, hey, if there were fathers present, maybe something could be different in this situation. And so we're asking massive questions after we've had encounters with the Lord and we've come together and hosted his presence. We're saying, God, how can we begin to export this desire to want to meet the needs of families, um, uh, whether it's in literacy, it's in leadership, it's in wholeness, or it's in economic development. And these four areas are really elevating for us, and we're about to go on a wild journey in Detroit. And uh, anybody love the city of Detroit in the house? Come on. We love the city of Detroit. And so uh, we're just excited about what the Lord wants to do in and of that. So, hey, coming and being a part of us, we just really believe that God's about to do something through us. We'd love for you to join us. Jump in with us. Be a part of what's going on. Um, you can ask us about our Kingdom Essentials courses, our family groups, um, our healing rooms. You guys got to get out to healing rooms. Um, and then we have also Team Ones. If you're looking for a place to serve, grab a brochure, talk to somebody. We have some leaders in the house, and we can get all that taken care of for you. So, um, but just want to say welcome, 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 and we're happy that you're here. Um, Mike Rudder, where's Mike at? Mr. Mike Rudder, is he there? Can I, someone grab him. This guy's got a little, a, Mike, 60 seconds, brother. Come up here and share it. Share what you share with me, brother. I'm just setting you up. We're on the spot right now. He's got a little something to share, and I think it's for the room. Just release that, bro. 60 seconds. Go for it. Um, back in the day, in the Bible days, we didn't have Tupperware. So the biggest guy in town was the potter, and he made vessels. And the vessels he would make, they discovered, I'm not going to go through the whole thing here, but when a vessel would be cracked, they discovered that if they would find a tick off of a bull or a goat that had, you know what ticks do, right? They bite and they suck blood. And they would take the tick and they'd squash the tick and squish the blood, mix it with a little bit more clay, 
put it in the crack, put it back into the fire, put it into the kiln. When it came out, the vessel was as good as new. Those, that was the blood of bulls and ticks. How much more? The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can seal up any cracks that appear in us. Amen? Next time you take communion, I'm sealing cracks. Thank you, Jesus. That's so good. That's so good. How many are thankful for the blood of Jesus? Come on. Hey, I've got just a few minutes here with you, and I want to introduce our theme today, salt and light. Someone say salt and light. Say it again. Say salt and light. We're going to spend some time here today, and I think there's something really beautiful about the resurrection uh, because it inaugurated the new creation. The resurrection inaugurated the new creation. You see, many people believed that, you know, the, the Jews thought everything was over. You know, G, you know, they had never had their king. For many years, they'd been in exile. They had tried again. They go in exile again. They're longing for thousands of years, longing for a king to show up. The king finally shows up. They don't even believe that it's him. They crucify him, but he resurrects and he establishes something brand new. How many are thankful for a new covenant? Amen. If you look up the word new in the Greek, it means new, brand new, and, uh, and so it inaugurated the new creation, and so we need to begin to ask ourselves, what is available in the new creation? Because it actually is new. It's a new creation. In this life, on this earth, something happened when Jesus resurrected that changed the way that all of mankind was able to live. You know, many of us are, are in, a, in a journey or in a, we're in a, a process, you know, of, you know, being discipled. And, and we've given our lives to the Lord. And, man, there's lots of veteran Christians in the room. You know, we, we got a lot you know, people. Have you served the Lord for 40 years or longer? Just raise your hand. Come on, raise, raise that hand. Come, come on, make some noise for the 40 and over club. Come on. They are spiritually over the hill. No, I'm just kidding. I turned 40 this year, and I'm like, Melissa, we're not having an over-the-hill party. That's not a thing that we do anymore. I think 40 is the new 20. Come on, somebody. Uh-huh. So as long as I keep cutting this gray hair off, I think I'm okay. So, um, But it's new. It's a new creation, which means we get to live differently. We get to live abundantly. We get to live powerfully. We get to live anointed. We get to live generous. We get to live full of the Holy Spirit. Come on, can I get an Amen. We get to live with wisdom. We get to live and be like Jesus. You know, there's lots of believers who have saved hearts but have maintained pagan minds. You see, because they simply only think about Jesus rather than allowing him to renew them to a point where they'd actually begin to think like Jesus. Come on, somebody. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I like the Jesus in you. Come on, Jesus looks good on you. Come on, did you know that you look just like your father? <laughs> Come on, tell him, say, you look just like your father. Once again, as I'm growing accustomed to doing, I apologize to all the introverts right now. Making you talk to strangers, or making you touch people, put a hand on a show, all that stuff, sorry. Not sorry. 
Salt and light are a new creation strategy. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about what was available in this resurrection. It inaugurated a new creation. And when we begin to talk about the new creation, we get excited about new things, you know. I mean, anybody like new things? I mean, that's why Amazon is amazing. I mean, every day a box sent from you comes to your doorstep and you feel special. I mean, come on, somebody. It's like we didn't used to get mail. Like mail kind of went away for a while, right? You know, it's like AOL stole that from us. And then, and then Amazon brought it back. I, I love it. Like actually getting physical mail. And like we love it. It's like, you know, send it prime two days, 24 hours. It's amazing. The box shows up. We love new stuff. It's amazing. But how many know that there's a strategy, there's something God's given us so that we could actually live out the new thing and sustain it and not just get excited about it? Come on, we can get up here and victory and the blood is overcome and we're standing on the rock and keep Jesus rose again. But how many know that if you don't actually begin to demonstrate this stuff, it's a powerless gospel? Come on, somebody. I said it's a powerless gospel if we only talk about it. You know, for a lot of years, you know, most of my life, you know, I, I was raised, you know, in the church and, and, uh, and love, love, love the church. And, and so, man, we, we go to, uh, anyone ever go to Bonanza or, or Ponderosa? I said it with an accent because I did it in Kentucky, you know. We were in Kentucky. And I'll go to Bonanza and get a buffet. And, and we'd show up there. And I was the kind of kid that would go and, and, and grab every single soda from the soda fountain. And then you put a little dollop of, like, orange, like, some type of ice cream in there, whip it off. I mean, that was like heaven for me. And every Sunday, we went to either Bonanza, Ponderosa, Ryan's Steakhouse, Sizzler, um, Old Country Buffet. I mean, I got all the VIP passes, you guys. I mean, we went there every single, literally every single Sunday for my entire childhood. And, uh, you know, and, and so there was this, um, uh, I got so excited about food right now, I lost my train of thought. I am so hungry right now. Anyone got a power bar? You know, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, you know, we, we would, like, get so excited. And, and so we'd sit down at Ponderosa, and then all the people come together, and then you start talking about church, you know. And I remember so many times, you know, you go out to, you know, people go out to lunch with the pastor, and because and, uh, my dad was the pastor, and, and they're like, oh, Pastor Ron, man, that word today, man, that was some meat. I mean, we're like, we got meat sweats right now off a bad steak off Old Country Buffet. You know, we're eating, but then we're talking about meat too. And we're like, oh man, that was like, man, the meat of the word. Pastor Ron, thank you. And so I remember regurgitating that stuff and saying the same thing. Wow, that was a great sermon. That, man, the, the pastor got out the meat today. That was a filet mignon today. Preach, preacher. Hey. And how many know that Hebrews chapter 5 tells us that the meat of the word is the doing of the word? I don't care how awesome any preacher is. I don't care how powerful the revelation is. I don't care how it comes to you, what form. If you are listening, it is only milk. And so there's, there's, there's something available in the new creation that says, hey, you get to get out of listening and you get to do the stuff. Like, greater things do you get to do in my name than what I did. Come on, somebody. 
Uh, and there was an invitation in the new creation to actually get into the meat of the word, if you will, that was beyond just the understanding that we can get through listening. And so there's a new creation strategy. And so um, within that strategy, you know, the what, I believe, is light. Our why is heaven on earth. Our who is your sphere of influence. Our when is get out there right now, should have already gone. And our where's, of course, our metron, our how is the salt. So I want to spend a few moments with you guys having a what and a how conversation. You know, many people, you know, we talk about these things and we think our why is to try to get out of here. How many think, well, the kingdom of God's not an exit strategy, it's an entrance strategy. We're not trying to get out of the earth. Jesus is trying to get heaven into the earth. Come on. And so your, who is your sphere of influence? We believe around here that you have permission to be fully Jesus everywhere that you go. Come on. How many of that's good news, isn't it? And so, obviously, that when, you know, that, that verb there, go, in Matthew 28, is as you're going. Meaning that, you know, a lot of us are like, you know, we're like the Doobie Brothers, and we think we're on a mission from God. But how many know that the mission doesn't always have exact coordinates? It mostly starts with yes. Like Abraham, when God's like, hey, get out of the country, go to the promised land, go to Canaan. And, uh, and Abraham's like, yes, where's it at? Give me the GPS coordinates. It's like, hey, how about I show you when you get there? You know, some of us are in the room right now, and we've been sitting and waiting for God to send us a pen, the GPS coordinates, and he's like, hey, how about you just get up, and I'll show you when you get there. And so that going is actually, to, to go is actually a verb that means as you're going, you get the opportunity to do the things he's invited us to do. And so God's more concerned with our why than our then our what, I, I actually believe, but we'll talk about that here in a moment. Your metron is the people groups you're called to. And uh, how many know that some of us just have a grace with kids? Who, who loves kids in the room? All right, we have a sign-up for children's ministry right here in the back. And uh, I, I hear there's some diapers that need to be changed. And, uh, but now, you know, some of you guys, like, love kids and, like, bless you in the name of the Lord. Like, I can make it go, but it's not my first passion, you know. Uh, you know, some of you are drawn to, like, middle schoolers. You know, like, you, like, actually love the aroma of sweat and puberty. It's like, it's a, like, uh, that's a gift that you have that God's given you. Um, you know, some of you are like, man, I really feel called to men's ministry. or I, I feel called to, to help young mothers or, or to really help elderly people transition into the best season they've ever had, you know. It's not about going on, down, it's about going up. How do we ascend, you know. We're living longer than we've ever lived before on the earth. And uh, there's a good chance that your children will probably live, will break records, you know, at the, at the number of people that live past 90 and maybe even into 100. The technology is, like, amazing. And so, like, for the first time in, in, like, in civilization, we're asking, what does significant living look like after 65? No generation's ever asked that question. You baby boomers are rock stars because everything you do, you take to scale and you put it at a level that the earth has never experienced before. You guys are a dominant, powerful, pioneering generation. And you're asking this question, what does life after what's currently known as life look like? Well, I would propose to you that it looks like a lot of fun. And it looks like the best is yet to come. Can I get a big amen? Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 13. Matthew chapter 13. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 13. And I just got one little nugget that I'm going to drop with you. And, uh, and, and I think the Lord has something to share in that. And then we're going to wrap this up. 
and, uh, and, and we're opening up a series. Um, we're going to be spending um, the next few weeks on salt and light. And I would just encourage you um, that there, there's something, this word is not just another series, it's not just a chance to disciple you greater, there's actually a very visionary component and a mandate that we really feel from the Lord is on this. Um, and in recent time, um, about a year ago actually, um, we received a prophetic word from Doug Addison, he's a prophet out of California, tremendous man, tremendous humility and, and purity and credibility and and, uh, and so he gave us a word that we we're going to begin to be visited last year between the months of May and September. And there was even like a significant uh, angelic assignment that had two mantles coming out of it. And, uh, and so mantles are not just new ideas. They're missions that people grab hold of. And you can't take someone's mantle until they're dead or they release it. And so the, the prophetic word over us was that there were two things that had been set down. One was north of us geographically and one was east of us. And so we haven't necessarily figured out some of those, uh, some of the who, um, but what we have gotten from the Lord through um, some tremendous confirmations is that there's something connected to salt and light. And I want to open that up for you, that there are two mandates on our house within salt and light that are opening up. And, uh, and so I would just invite you to go on a journey with us over the next, um, you know, five, six weeks as we begin to pioneer and go after this. And, uh, and we'll kind of set it up today, and I think you're really going to be blessed. Matthew 5, 13, it says, you are the salt of the earth. Someone say salt of the earth. Say you are. All right. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Verse 14, it says, you are the light of the world. Someone say you are. A city set high or on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Someone say salt and light. Salt and light. You know, there's something amazing about these two concepts, and, and what I want to introduce to you today is that our end game with salt and light is basically biblical language for the mandates of wisdom and innovation. And over the next couple of weeks, what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend time getting you there to understand how we're linking these things together. But I really believe that in the resurrection, it inaugurated a new creation that has a strategy. And for generation one, this is going to be our strategy going forward, is wisdom and innovation. We're going to begin to export wisdom and innovation at a level that I believe is going to pioneer and create a prototype of what church communities can get done when they come together and believe God for greater things. Can I get a big amen? I said, you're sitting around some really smart people right now. I mean, you're sitting around brilliant people right now. Remarkable people. These are not the faint of heart. These are not people who are weary and good doing. These are not people who just decided someday to show up to church. You are surrounded by world changers right now. And there is something in the DNA of this house that has decided not to accept status quo. But we've said we long to know and have wisdom that would lead to innovation that would change the way that people actually live. How many know that if the kingdom of God is not changing the way that you live, then you're probably wasting your time. Come on, right? And so 
there's something significant um, about salt and light that opens up a biblical conversation, I believe, to wisdom and innovation. And if you look at, you know, just this idea of salt back in verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? I have a question for you. How does salt lose its saltiness? Well, if you look up on the internet, it can dissolve, but if it's not put into something and it's still of a dry substance, it's actually impossible for salt to lose its saltiness. It actually has to be chemically changed to do that. And so Jesus was like saying, hey, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Um, you know, there, there's something interesting that Jesus is having a conversation on. I'm going to do a little research on this. And, and what you'll find is that in the salt mines in Israel, there's another, there's another um, compound, another mineral that is always partnered in with salt. And I say always because I'm, I'm a geologist. I know everything. So um, anyways, uh, oftentimes it's found together and it's the same chemical makeup as salt, just minus like one small ingredient, if you will, to make it short and sweet. And it turns up to be what we now call gypsum. Okay, so if any of you guys are, have ever done any renovations in your house, um, if you have a, a home that's been built after, the, you know, the 1970s, you have a house that was built and it was gypsum board or drywall was used to create the walls in your house. So gypsum is a, is a mineral that is used, it's a compound that comes together and, and, and it hardens. And, and so as I was re researching this, um, I began to realize that um, this is actually also called salt in first century history. And so they didn't actually know what to call it. They just knew that there was kind of one form that you can make hard things out of. And then there was another form that would preserve food. Or would, would, would allow for extra flavor, if you will. And so, you know, when you think about stories in the Bible, especially like Lot, when he left um, Sodom and Gomorrah, it says that his wife was turned into a pillar of salt. And so most likely this was a mineral compound that actually wasn't the salt we would put on our food, but it was the things that you make statues out of. It was a hard substance that you would build and you would make things out of. And so here's Jesus saying, hey, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Have any of you guys ever, like anyone ever, um, remember when like people started just like drinking water all of the time? Like, you know, like 10, like 15 years ago, people stopped drinking soda, right? And then, you know, did anyone have a friend that would, like, make their own, like, lemonade at the table? And they would bring, like, their own sugar packets and do the whole thing. And, like, Splenda, some of you guys are in the room, like, I still do that. Um, you know, but, like, I, my mom used to do this. My mom, she would, she, would, she would go to a restaurant and order water and be like, lots of extra lemon, please. And then I'd be like, oh, my gosh, like, mom is making lemonade at the table. And she'd get out her all-organic sugar. You know, do the thing and, and pour it in there, squeeze 10 lemons in there, stir it up and feel really good about herself. Love you, mom, if you're listening. But occasionally she would not have her sugar with her, but she still preferred to do what she was doing. How many of us sometimes, I saw her one time mistake sugar for salt and oh my goodness, that was some lemonade that uh, brought a whole new encounter to her life. You know what I mean? How many know that when you expect something to be one thing and it's another thing, it's a surprise? My, my dad's sister, Debbie, she was driving her husband's truck, my Uncle Bob, driving his truck. They live, uh, they live, live up in North Branch. She got some acreage and they're kind of, you know, doing the whole up north thing. And, uh, and so uh, one day she decided to, you know, take his truck and she was, um, she was a little thirsty <clears throat> 
And so uh, my Uncle Bob at the time, he had, um, he chewed tobacco. And so there was a bottle of Pepsi in the console. Uh-huh. Yep. Little thirsty might just crack open a Pepsi, you know, taste of a generation. Go, 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 go. I mean, surprise. <laughs> you know, sometimes we're mean and we give babies lemons, right? You know, it's like just for the faces, right? You know, it's, it's like... I mean, that's, that's a great Instagram moment, not a great parenting moment, but a great Instagram moment. Do for the gram. Um, and so how many know that when, when something's not performing the way that we want it to, it, 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 like we have an instant reaction to it, like, oh, my goodness, or oh, no, you know, we'll spit out that homemade lemonade, if you will. But, we'll, you know, there's, there's some things going on there. Um, it has no value for us in the moment. If you have salt lemonade, what are you going to do with that after you taste it and it's salt lemonade? You're going to pour it down the drain. It has lost its value. And so during Jesus' time, there were lots of people who were believing that the government or, or that, that there was going to be some, you know, ordained king, if you will, a political structure was going to come and save their lives. They believed that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the structures of their day were going to come and they were going to be the solution for fixing all of their problems. You know, today there's a lot of narratives in culture and society, and, and I tell you what, it can get very easy to get lost in the narratives and get distracted about the reality that Jesus is still King of kings and Lord of lords, and he sits on the throne. Can I get a big amen? With that, and, and what Jesus did as he established the new creation and the resurrection, he's, he's talking here as he's introducing in Matthew 5, basically, the new covenant. He's on the top of a mountain. He had just been gone for 40 days and 40 nights. Matthew's trying to set a picture that he's just like Moses. All right, so Matthew is a tax collector, and so he's a legal guy. And, he, and so he's trying to build this case that Jesus came just like Moses did to establish a new law. And so Matthew has him on the side of a mountain in front of thousands of people. His first message as a rabbi, and he's espousing, you've heard it said like this, I say it like this. He's bringing a new way to live. And so in that new way to live, he's saying, hey! Salt that's lost its flavor is only good for the ground. But you are the salt of the earth. I would like to propose to you that Jesus is saying, hey, the things that you're hanging on to, the, 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 the crutches and the, and, the, and the vices and the systems and the things that you've placed your hope in that are outside of me, that these things are, are not actually salt. It, it kind of looks like salt and it's right next to salt in the salt mine. And we even call it salt, but that's not the salt that we're looking for. This salt is only good for coming underneath of our feet and being trampled by our feet. I, Jesus is like, hey, I want you to know that you are the salt of the earth. How many know that there's a little bit of a shift here where it says, no longer am I dependent on a structure. I'm now dependent on relationship. Someone say that's good news. There's, there's wisdom that's found in this idea that I can, that I've been empowered, I've, I'm, 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 I'm empowered, I'm, I've been enabled, I've been positioned to actually be a solution to the world. And if you've been coming around Gen 1, you know that I've been saying this often, I'm not a problem, I'm a, I believe there's a solutionary movement about to sweep through the earth. I think one of the great solutions that we're going to bring is social entrepreneurship. We saw a need for, 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 for medical care. And we dignified people by starting hospitals. We saw a need for literacy. And we dignified people by starting schools. 
And now there's a need for financial legacy. And I believe the great next move of missions on the earth is going to be the fact that we start businesses. It's the next great move of significance and, and establishment for the body of Christ to believe this is actually important to God. In the same way that like, you know, all the orange t-shirts go and they plant a church. Or all the green t-shirts go and they start a school. Like, you know, the Christian vacation. Anyone know about these things? Yeah. Anyways, um, we, how much money have we given to hospitals and education institutions? Uh, like millions, billions of dollars. And we thought it was the Lord's work. I believe that same conviction is about to come for social entrepreneurship. And we're going to begin to dignify families with legacies that have sustainable economies that actually change the way they live and to not be a handout, but to be a hand up into really becoming powerful people in every aspect of their life. That sounds like a Jesus idea, doesn't it? So there's something about our ability to preserve and sustain things. And that's part of that idea that I've been called to be a solution. God has asked me, he's invited me, Drew, you can be the salt of the earth. I would like to ask you right now, what situations in your life are a little bland? What situations in your life, when you put it in your mouth, it has a little bit of, too much of a crunch and it might break a tooth because it's actually a statue? What places in your life are simply just waiting for you to believe that the Christ in you is actually the hope of the situation. Jesus came as salt in the earth to demonstrate what salt would taste like so that we would realize that we also, as he's saying here, it's not just me, you're invited too to be the salt of the earth. Look at your neighbor and say, you're salty. You are the light of the world. I guess this is offensive. I got a Facebook message after we pushed some of this marketing out. They're like, Jesus is the light of the world. I'm like, and then he said, we are the light of the world. <laughs> Isaiah said, and, and he said, arise and shine for your light has come. Someone say my light. He said, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. You have a light that is able to shine. Come on, somebody. Not only are we able to sustain things, we can have foresight and really bring a clarity into what it is that's coming in the future. I believe this is innovation. I believe there's something powerful about who we are that God's establishing us to fully realize and apprehend our capacity to be a light on top of a lampstand. How many know that light isn't meant to be hidden, it's meant to shine? There's no argument between light and darkness. Light always wins. If someone turns off the lights right now, it will go black in here. Darkness is not a substance. It's the absence of light. And when you turn that light switch back on, immediately light comes on, and there's no conversation about it. And I really believe that when believers begin to establish themselves out of fear and in love, they're going to realize, hey, I am the light of the world. Christ in me is the hope of glory. I do get to shine. I was made for this moment. I was made to bring light into darkness and hope into hopeless situations. This is who I really am and what I'm called to do. You see, Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection, he didn't just give us eternal security. He gave us a map so we can live like him in the earth when he went away. Your little mini Jesus. Look at your cute little baby Jesus. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Sitting in Starbucks, my 11-year-old son Ephraim began to let his light shine. And man, 
did Starbucks light up like a Christmas tree? People begin to respond. What people in the room that witness the same thing, because there was a lot of commotion after a certain point, because a lot of people get nothing, talking and money and, and fistfuls of Starbucks goodies. And how many other people observed but didn't say anything? That today are sitting and they're pondering, maybe back in Starbucks, how they could catalyze the same moment of generosity. You are the light of the world. There's this powerful passage, and we'll spend more time on this in Isaiah 46. And it talks about the idea that treasures are in. There are treasures of darkness. And it talks about the, the King Cyrus anointing, that it becomes light in, in dark places. And as I was processing this with the Lord, I began to realize that I had mislabeled treasures in darkness. How many of you that darkness is not a descriptive word about the treasures? I think there's a mindset shift that's happening in the body of Christ where we realize that treasures aren't evil. They're just in darkness. But the darkness is not a label on the treasure. It's just the location. And unless we're willing to actually go out into the darkness, we'll never encounter the treasures of heaven. Come on, somebody. I said there's wealth and abundance in the darkness. Everyone's been waiting on God to bring it to them. And God's like, no, I made you the light of the world. Go shine light in the darkness and go reap of the treasures that I've placed out there, that I've given to you, that I've called you into. Come on, somebody. We're called to be the light of the world. And it's not just for our gain. This is not a... Our this is not an our gain message, but the truth is, is that there's something available in the kingdom experience that when we decide to be salt and light, that everything just begins to work. And our ecosystem here, as we are salt and light, jobs are going to get created. Children are going to learn how to read and be dignified with the opportunity to not go to jail. As 99% of all children who read at average level in third grade don't go to jail. What if prison reform is not a do good, do bad issue? What if it could simply be a literacy issue? And what if we were willing to go and, and be literacy mentors in, in, in Detroit public schools if we could be part of the solution to, to prison reform? Come on, somebody. This is being salt and light. Come on, what does it look like to love our neighbor? Some of you don't even know your neighbor's name because you're scared. And we probably all would be too. But I tell you what, I'm not scared of darkness. I am the light of the world. I got salt inside of me. I got wisdom inside of me. I got innovation inside of me. I'm not a problem, mama. When you realize that you're salt and you're light, your courage begins to increase. And you realize that just as Jesus came and demonstrated that we also get to do the same thing. You see, I believe we get to know what through the light. And in the what is clarity. When light comes, clarity comes and we can see our future. And, and our saltiness, it becomes a sustainable how. I've been releasing over and I'm closing. I've been releasing over our students this reality of the brilliance of heaven. And I really believe that as a church, we're in a season of visitation where God is opening up our minds with clarity and we're thinking like we've never thought before. We're seeing solutions like we've never seen before. We're doing business deals like we've never done before. 
We are motivating government like we've never motivated before. We're seeing families restored like we've never seen restored before. We're thinking new thoughts. How many know that transformation is only a thought away? Because in the renewing of your mind, you prove the acceptable and perfect will of God. And so I believe that there's a brilliance that's coming in, specifically over the city of, of Detroit. Our tagline for this, and even in this series, is the resurrection of our Savior, Savior our purpose, and our city, Detroit. And we're going to spend time in these, in these three areas, understanding over the next couple of weeks how these things come together. But isn't it interesting that Detroit sits on top of one of the largest salt mines for sure in America, maybe in the world. I'm not quite sure how it ranks. There is a prophetic identity in our city to be salt. It's in, it's in our heritage. There's something amazing about innovation in Detroit. The, 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 the sound of Motown. The, the dream of every, every person owning a car. The innovations go deep. I was on a, on a, a field tripping to Cranbrook with my son, and they were talking about how that some of the, the most distinct, um, innovative ways for, uh, for fur trapping and fur trade happened right here in Michigan. And it changed the way that everyone um, saw how to do trade with, with that specific category. And, and businesses were started, and, and there was something, there's something entrepreneurial about the state of Michigan, and specifically our city, Detroit. And I believe that as we sow into this season of salt and light, that we're going to discover a blueprint from heaven about how we can contribute, not just into praying about what's going on, but actually becoming the solution that changes the way that people live. This is who you are. This is the DNA inside of you. This is your potential, your ability to have all of heaven's wisdom and to have all of heaven's illumination in your life is available right now. And some of you are sitting even in this room, and I just invite you, as you're thinking about your own life, just to bow your heads, close your eyes, just to quiet the noise. What place in your life where you've been more dependent on a situation, a person, something else that's taken the place of God in your life? Where is that area where you feel stuck, where you feel like you're surrounded by darkness and you just need the light to shine? I believe right now, Father is in the room and he's wanting to bring his salt and his light. Father, we welcome you right now when we make the divine exchange for systems and structures and ideas that we've allowed into our lives that have replaced you. And we reinstitute you as our source, as the way things are actually sustainable. We welcome your light. Lord, I just break the enemy's back right now in the spirit of fear. That love would come right now and that we would realize that when light comes, it's not going to embarrass us. But that when light comes, it exposes the treasure that we simply didn't know was available right next to us. You're, you don't long to embarrass us. You long to build us up. And so we welcome light right now to come close. And to shine into the places in our lives. That we would have clarity on who we're not. 
and clarity to who we are. And that as we do that, we would also realize the gift, the ability, the identity, the things that are available that allow us to be actually who God's invited us to be. And Father, lastly, I thank you, Lord, for the stirring of your spirit, that God, we would begin to shake off lethargic thoughts. We begin to shake off the feeling of, of being stuck. We begin to shake off this idea of the status quo in our faith. And God, I ask that the champion heart of this house would begin to come alive in a new and powerful way. That Lord, as we would realize that we will gain the anointing for things that we accept responsibility for. I stir up the spirit of responsibility. That God, we would be compelled by your love compelled by your generosity, compelled by your light, and compelled by your compassion, that we'd want to demonstrate the very thing that we have received. Freely you have received, now freely give. God, I, I declare that as we have received your salt and your light, that we will also become salt and light everywhere that we go. In Jesus' mighty name. We are free from and we are free towards. I release that freedom in the house right now in Jesus' mighty name. The brilliance of heaven, the brilliance of heaven. If you lack wisdom, simply ask and you will receive. Father, we ask for your wisdom right now in this place, in this place. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit. We thank you for the resurrection. <laughs> that you've given us the keys of the kingdom. Father, Lord, we just, we grab hold. Lord, of salt and light as the ingredients of the new creation. And we commit them to our heart. That as we walk out of here, the Lord, we begin to be salt and light everywhere that we go. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name. Someone say amen.